Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So I am in the process of wrapping up development on my next app. You? Um, yes. Yes. Another one. It's, it's, it's truly shocking and you know a, a revelation that I'd be working on a new app. But I am. And I'm at the point now where the app is mostly finished. Um, it's like functionally complete. I'm getting ready to start sort of more broad testing and that kind of thing. And it's uh, an app that's geared in sort of in the health and fitness area that I've been doing recently um, to sort of join the ranks of Pedometer++ Plus Plus and C++. Plus Plus. This one's about um, displaying the activity and fitness data collected by Apple Watches um, in a hopefully a more useful way. Um, so I've, I'm through with like the part that I have a lot of comfort with in terms of sitting down and just building an app, like the actual opening Xcode and coding. That part I always feel good about. But now I'm hitting an interesting, a more challenging part of it, at least for me, um, that I thought would be interesting to talk about. And that's the process of working out um, the business model that I'm going to ultimately launch the app with. And maybe some people would think that it would be a better idea to have the business model in mind before I make the app. Um, but that's just not the way I work. I have an idea. I start building it. A few weeks later, I have the app. That's just how my process works. Um, so now I hit the point that I have to decide, what am I going to do with this? And you'd think at this point, like I've been doing this for long enough and I've launched enough apps that I would just like immediately know what it is I'm going to do. But I, the kind of awkward reality is I looked at it and I'm like, I don't really know what I want to do for this app. Like I could make it do so many different things. Like the, the number of options available to app developers these days is kind of wild in terms of it's not just like an old, sort of like the old days where it's like you could have a paid app or a free app. Um, or like push it free with ads and then like they introduced in-app purchase and originally in-app purchases were only in paid apps and so you could have like extra what they call like premium apps and um, then they added in-app purchase for free apps so we can do that now um, and there's recently been a whole big wave of fitness apps being purchased by big companies and so that's even like this other kind of vague not like a business plan but at least sort of like a concept of people are making fitness apps and eventually being purchased by bigger companies and making their money that way and so that leaves me in kind of a crazy thing. And so what I wanted to do this week is to sort of think out loud and get your your, your thoughts, Marco, about how to proceed and kind of the, the considerations and the thoughts that go into this. Because I imagine anybody who is making an app, a product, something like that, you have to go through this kind of mentality, this thought process um, to think, you know, what's ultimately going to be best for you. And the answer is probably different for everybody. So thinking, you know, rather than just giving an answer, uh, explaining how I'm going to hopefully end up with an answer is probably more helpful. So for me, I, I think the one of the ways to look at this first off is if you have any any previous apps that you've made, especially anything you've made in recent years, you know, since the economy always changes in the App Store, um, any parallels you could draw from other apps of like what might be the best pricing model for like you know a similar app that you've made and how that's done. Sure, and probably the closest app to this is um, it's it's of all my apps, it's certainly going to be Pedometer Plus Plus or Sleep Plus Plus, which are fitness apps, um, and probably in many ways Sleep Plus Plus is the Actually, I guess Pedometer Plus Plus in the early days had the same thing where, like, because it's an app that's tied to a particular platform, 
Like in when Pedometer Plus Plus launched, it was tied to the iPhone 5S. And if you didn't have a 5S, it was worthless to you. Um, and then, you know, Sleep Plus Plus, if you don't have an, an Apple Watch, it's useless to you. And, you know, this new app, if you don't have an Apple Watch, it's not really going to be able to show you anything useful. So those are probably like the closest to the way I do it now. And those are both free with ads and an in-app purchase to remove the ads. And in the case of Pedometer Plus Plus, the in-app purchase is structured as a consumable tip jar type of thing. And in Sleep Plus Plus, it's just like a one-time regular, like an in-app purchase to remove ads with a nice little message saying, thank you so much. And Pedometer Plus Plus does not have ads at all, right? It does. Oh, okay. It didn't, it didn't initially launch with them. Um, initially, it just launched with the tip jar. Um, but that... I introduced ads a while after a while because the tip jar, while conceptually I liked, um, from a performance perspective, did, didn't do that as well, um, at least until I added ads to it. And once I added ads, um, like once there was both the carrot, like, hey, support me, this is great, and the stick of I'm going to show ads in the app unless you pay, like the combination of those two, it led to a much more robust um, adoption of the tip jar. And so I added ads and it's been working much better since then. Because otherwise I'd find sort of the, I launch it or I launch a big update and I'll get this kind of like this little wave of goodwill and then it drops to almost nothing. Um, And so that didn't really work in the long run. That makes sense. So now it seems like the the most logical conclusion then, if you say that the new app is most similar to Pedometer Plus Plus and and apps like this, and the Pedometer Plus Plus and Sleep Plus Plus both have this kind of you know ads with paid options to remove them models, and they both work pretty well, it seems on the surface that would be the best choice. But with iAd shutting down this summer, then obviously that throws a wrench into everything, right? Exactly. Yeah. Like I look at this and it's. It's more complicated, both because of that and also because in a weird way, I also want like I, I kind of want diversity in my in my income stream. And so like having everything be the same model sometimes makes me wonder if that's problematic. Like if all of my money is coming from ads, um, I mean, it's sort of in the same way that like, fair enough, I can move to another advertising platform. But, you know, if a there was some app store policy change, for example, that changed the types of advertising that was that were allowed. And it led to, you know, essentially meant that advertising rates collapsed. Like if all my in- income is coming from advertising, that's probably problematic. Um, or if the types of ads that are available, you know, become more and more skeezy and crummy, then I can like, and if, if my entire like business is based on that, like that's not a great position either. And so I end up with this weird thing of it's like, I, there's a lot of things that I could do. And when I was taking a step back and thinking and prep, sort of preparing for this episode, I kept trying to coming back to it. It's like, ultimately, I have to decide. And this is like, really, I think that like, you can build a business model to do what, like one of four things. Um, you can either like maximize the money that you get now. Um, you can maximize the reliability of income you'll get later. You can maximize the overall money the app will ever receive in its lifetime. Or you can try and maximize your user base. Which one of those things will vary dramatically depend, like, will then decide which business model makes the most sense for you. Because if I want the most money now, well, I should probably do like a paid app. Just like charge money up front, hope for a little bit of press when the app launches, you know, kind of get a big, a big push, have a couple of days with nice big sales, um, and then it'll likely fall off pretty dramatically. 
Um, at least that's my experience is that you end up with this very steep drop off afterwards. Um, but you know, in that first couple, in that first, in the first week or so, you can actually make quite a lot more than you would probably be able to make from any of the other models. And so you can make it now. And like, if I want reliable income, something like advertising is great because it's, there's no, there isn't kind of like this one time purchase nature to it where people just keep, every time they open the app, I make, you know, a fraction of a penny. And so the more, if people keep using the app, there continues to be money coming in. Um, like overall revenue is probably going to be some combination of them. Uh, like where it's like, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to have ads. I'm going to have in-app purchases to remove ads. I may have in-app purchases to do features, um, like do everything you could possibly do to try and maximize things. And then if I wanted to like just maximize the user base, well, then you kind of take the VC model and say, you know, just make it free. Like, and hope that you'll work something out down the road. Like if once you have, you know, hundreds of thousands of customers using the app all the time, then, Hey, that's gotta be worth something to someone. Right. Yeah. I mean, so I think, so, you know, with overcast, I obviously chose the pretty much the latter option, which you know, pretty much make it free. At first I had like, you know, free with unlock to get all features. Now it's pretty much everything's free and, and you, you know, you, you pay if you feel like it, uh, which is, almost like everything's free and the reason i did that was because i wanted to maximize the user base really you know i have i have like political goals with with how i feel about how podcasting apps should and shouldn't be designed um and i you know i want to like keep podcasting open and and you know reduce the influence of proprietary gatekeepers and everything and so for me it was important to maximize the user base first and then figure out money with that in mind like you know not necessarily later because i didn't delay making money but just like figure out a way to make money while also giving away as much as possible for free. Um, and so, you know, that that's the model I chose. That, though, you know, that was in the context of this entire ecosystem that that had these other factors that I was playing to. In, in your situation here with this app, you know, with every app, certain models will work better than others. You know, and and it depends so much on what the app is, uh, what the com- what the competition is, how your market timing is, you know, what, you know, what the market is itself. So with something like Pedometer Plus Plus, that was that initially a paid app or was it always free up front? It's always free because it because of, and especially it was free because it required an iPhone 5s and there was no way that I could require you to have one before you purchased it, and so I made it free because I was afraid that there would be lots of people who would pay for it and then immediately discover that it's worthless and go and get a refund or leave a one-star review and so it just never seemed like paid would be a viable option right and so therefore the same thing applies to this then because this requires an apple watch so you know it's or does it officially require it or does it you know basically it basically requires it right it basically requires it would be fairly useless without one (laughs) right exactly so it seems like paid is right out the window which is unfortunate because actually Something like this where you're saying like, you know, it's taking advantage of, of something new. It's something that is a that is a small market. There's probably going to be very little competition out there, at least at first. So that kind of condition usually is a really good fit for paid, where you have people who are going to be motivated to get it and very little competition, really, uh, and, and especially it being new. That combination usually means go paid up front. Because you kind of have to be free up front because we don't have real trials, um, and this would be a man. This would be a great case for a trial. 
<laughs> but but those don't exist. So instead, you have to be free somewhat. So the only question now is whether you lock some features, uh, whether you use ads, or whether you just don't think about money with this app and use it for other purposes, like promoting your other stuff or giving back to the world or whatever. Um, so going through those one by one, I guess, free with unlock is tricky. Certain apps, there just really isn't a good place to put that locking barrier. So, like, one of the examples, um, I know, I think James Thompson talked about this a while ago with PCALC, is, you know, where do you, if you have a calculator that you want to be free up front with a paid app purchase to unlock something, what do you unlock? Like, the 9 button? Like, it's it's hard. It's, like, certain apps are just hard to figure out where to place that barrier in a way that the app isn't totally useless without it, but that enough people will hit that barrier and be motivated to pay. Uh, and certain apps, the answer is just, this doesn't fit well, and there isn't a good place for it. And certain apps, you know, there are plenty of places for it, and the question is, where do you put it? And so in this case, do you think there's a good spot to have a paid unlock? Like, there's a good feature or set of features or limit that can be removed where enough people will hit that and want to pay, but they won't hit you because it's so annoying every time they hit it? The the only one that comes to mind uh, for an app like this is to do some type of kind of artificial limit on the amount of data that it will display. Um, so you'd have some, you know, it's sort of like in the same way, like pedometer plus plus, like it shows you historical data. It would be like, you can only see the current week unlock to see all kind of a thing um, is the only thing that I could sort of see because partitioning the feature set or the functionality in other ways like it feels so contrived, like feels much more like the, yeah, like you don't use like you, you can do multiplication, but you can't do division. Like, <laughs> right, it, exactly. It, it, it completely kind of removes the, the point of the app if you start partitioning the features. And so the only thing I could ever really, I could ever kind of imagine is to say like, hey, I'm only going to show you this amount of data. You know, if you scroll beyond that, there'll be a little box that says, hey, would you like to see the rest of your data? You know, I'm holding it hostage for $2 at the bottom. Yeah, and that's that's so tricky to do while also balancing like the user's will to pay you because it's so easy to just appear really stingy or annoying or cheap with what you give them for free and what you don't. Um, and if they don't feel good about your app, they usually won't pay to get past that barrier. Some people still will, and they will hate you for it. I've done that before with with some apps. Like some apps where like I really needed it to get my job done, and they offered a free trial, and it, I kept hitting walls, and I just eventually i did pay in a lot of these cases and i but i just felt terrible i I felt like i hated them for it um and that kind of soured me on the whole company and on you know like their future products or my experience with the app or my willingness to recommend it to others so it's always a hard balance when whenever you have these barriers but that being said if you have an app where a barrier like this makes sense and where you where you can find a good place for it and and you implement that well it usually is a really good way to make a reasonable living like you can usually get decent income that way um without a lot of the problems of things like ads or paid up front um so usually that that is great when it works but it is really hard to make it work yeah and i think one thing that i always struggle with when i'm trying to think of this it's like it's what am i communicating to my customer because like the, the hardest part i think like that you have to get over and a little bit i think you were alluding to it for like it makes you feel bad is when you say like this part of the app is free 
like the the initial part like in typically it's like the core part like the main purpose of the app is free and then there's these extra things that are are like cost more like the, the the weird thing that you have to keep in mind is in some ways what you're communicating to your customer is like the core part of the app is free or in some ways you could like it's not a great word but it's more helpful for this uh, analogy it's like this part of the app is worthless and <laughs> this other part somehow i'm saying is worthful but <laughs> if you look at those as a customer they may look functionally identical right it's you're saying like if you know the ability to do this x y and z shouldn't cost you anything and i'm telling you that it shouldn't cost you anything to do these things because i just gave you an app that you downloaded for free that does those things so i've communicated to you this is worthless but you know but this other thing that is essentially probably very similar to the other thing and is in many ways a contrived barrier like somehow should be valuable and like there's a dissidence there that I feel like is is where it gets really hard. Like you can only really make the case for unlocking something when the thing that you're paying is like paying for feels different and like completely orthogonal to the thing that you the core part of the thing that you gave away for free. You know, so often you'll have something where there's a physical cost associated with it, like you're paying for storage or for a sync, you know, t- to access sync or something where it's not the thing that I gave you for free. Just, you know, like I, I it's something totally different in a you know, sort of a tangible way, because when you do that, I think maybe that's where you can get around that feeling of like, I feel bad about this because I feel like they're just kind of, you know, like being cheap by you know creating this artificial limit it's tough too because when you put up a limit like that people will hit it and they will they will try to rationalize not going past it so if you put up a limit and you say well you can only see the last week of data or whatever you know whatever limit you put up yeah people are going to hit that and they're first going to think well i guess i don't need that right like they're going to try to convince themselves they don't need that because they don't really want to pay so they're going to try to say well you know what I, i can get along fine without that and even if they would enjoy the app more with that, even if they would get their $2 or whatever worth of enjoyment or value out of having gone past that barrier, they will try very hard to convince themselves, even if it's subconscious, not to go past that barrier. And so you'll have so many people who really could use the app, who really could enjoy it a lot more if they would pay the 2 bucks, but who have convinced themselves they don't need to because they would rather not. Uh, and and that like that's the issue I faced with Overcast. That's one of the reasons I went patronage eventually. It's just very hard. But I don't know. And then we have we have a lot more better options uh, or different options at least, uh, including ads. But let's read an ad first because podcasts are ad supported for many reasons that we don't have time to talk about now. This episode of Under the Radar is brought to you by Hover. Quite simply, Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names. When you have an idea for a project, naming it can be very difficult, but Hover provides a great search where you can search for a few keywords, or you can type in exactly the name you need, and they will show you all the different top-level domains that are out there, and you can find a domain that works for you. That's what you want with something on the end of it, whether it's you know .com or .plumbing, they'll find you something. Uh, they give you lots of options. That's great. Now, I don't want to be faced with a thousand screens or tons of add-ons or high prices when I'm buying my domain names. I just want to get in, pick what I need, buy it, and get on with building my new idea. Now, with Hover, it's really easy because they don't try to force you through crazy upsells or crazy scams or anything like that. And it's very well designed and very easy to use and very fast to really just get what you need, get in and get out, and you're done. That's it. Dot coms 
really affordable, just only $12.99 right now. Uh, this includes Whois Privacy for free. Um, all the domains are very reasonably priced after that, and almost every domain includes Whois Privacy. As long as it's possible to include, uh, they will include it. Uh, they also have fantastic customer support if you ever need it, including amazing telephone support where you can just call them up and a human being just picks up the phone and answers your questions without transferring you, without putting you on hold, without going through a robot menu, anything like that. It's amazing. Uh, they have all sorts of great support, great stuff too, way longer than what I can talk about in this little ad read. Uh, so just check it out today. Go to hover.com and try it out. Use code COCO at checkout and you'll get 10% off your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for Under the Radar and all of Relay FM. Thank you very much to Hover for sponsoring this episode. So there's also ad-supported apps. To me, like it sounds like it'd be a decent idea because it sounds like you get money for when the app is being used and no one has to decide whether to pay you or not because the ad is paying you automatically, effectively, if they use the app. And they can maybe pay to remove it or something. And that's, you know, that's a separate discussion, which I'm sure we'll have. But uh, at the heart of it, you kind of automatically just get money slowly with usage. Of course, there's downsides in practice, um, things like you know, privacy concerns, annoyance concerns, image concerns. What do you think about apps of ads? Yeah, it's... I, it, 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 it there's it's, it's an uncomfortable um it's like it's like if you may have noticed that was an uncomfortable intake of breath yeah. <laughs> because i don't really i don't like using apps that have ads in them but i make a substantial amount of my revenue from ads and like there's a little bit of cognitive dissonance about that like it's like the ultimately the pragmatic part of like this is the practical way to make revenue but the reality is I never really it's like I don't my app is never made better by having an ad in it. Like it's not like, oh, wow. Well, it's like people will love it when they can see ads for other, you know, for for a game of war or clash of clans or whatever, like the um, like the, the latest free to play game is like, which is essentially what most online ads seem or mobile ads seem to be these days. They're for like one of those games or for the for a big brand like Audible or Google or something like that. And so putting those into my apps, like always feels a little bit not great. Um, but the reality is like, like you said, like it works well. And I like conceptually the fact that I'm getting paid for use in a way that like, it's a really nice virtuous cycle. Like I want to make an app that's really engaging and you want to, you know, you want to keep opening up and looking at, um, you know, if I'm showing you, you know, health and fitness data, like hopefully it's motivating. Hopefully it's something that you want to go and check on a regular basis. And so aligning a business model with that, where it is something that the more you use it, the more money I make, um, like is great. And in some ways it reminds, makes me think of the way that, like, I almost kind of wish that there were, was a mechanism kind of like what, um, uh, musicians have with streaming services. Oh, you don't want that. Not necessarily. Well, like conceptually I do. I don't right. necessarily like it breaks down in certain ways, obviously, like all these things do, but like conceptually right. just add a bunch of zeros to the number, basically. Yeah. Then we want that version of it. That version, that version would be so, so great. Right. But like conceptually, like every time someone listens to the song, they get a bit of money. And like, if every time someone opens my app, I got a bit of money, that would be great. Like if there, if such a thing sort of existed, like if there was like, rather than Apple music, there was like Apple app and people paid a certain amount of money and it was distributed around people based on what they used or something, right? Like you could imagine a system that would sort of work in that way. Like it's hugely problematic and I'm not really advocating for that, but like conceptually, 
a version it would be like the business model that ads create but without the potential for kind of like not desirable um aesthetics in my apps so like that would be great that doesn't exist and so you end up with ads and you ultimately i like i end up like most likely than not that's ultimately what i'll probably have to do is i look at it and it's like you know if i have ads in this app i will if if it's successful if it's just downloaded wildly then i will likely you know make a reasonable amount of semi reliable income from it and if if it's sticky and people really like it and keep coming back to it like my revenue will continue to if not grow at least stay stable in the long term which is great like see our episode um about work life balance that we just did where i talked about like the more you can make your income um kind of like passive and not related to what you're doing like the better and so ads are great for that cuz it's all based on work you've done in the past like continuing to pay you in the future I just wish it didn't make me feel so kind of like, hmm, whenever I do it. Yeah, and it seems like with ads, like you could do something crazy like direct sales of ads, but that's a lot of work. It's the best for like privacy maximization, really, and it might be the classiest, but that's a ton of work. And as you go like kind of down the rabbit hole of like, well, I I could join a network. Uh, and then you know an, a, a small app network if that existed which i don't even know if it does uh but you know assuming that existed oh, then then we pool resources selling ads is a little bit easier I, maybe i don't have to do it anymore or i can sh- i can you know share a salesperson with somebody else and then as you get further down it's like well all these things are a lot of work until you get down to the well i can just plug in a, a, a module from a big ad provider where I might not have even be. I might not have even dealt with a human at all to be part of this thing. Uh, you're getting who knows what ads from who knows where, and they're doing who knows what with your customers' private privacy and data. Uh, but that's also the easiest for you, and like that. And so, like with ads, you like the the incentives are all towards getting creepier and creepier because the the easiest ways to get into ads and the most accessible ways to get into ads happen to also be the worst about privacy and customer data in most cases. Uh, whereas, you know, anything better than that tends to take more work than what most people can really devote to it. Exactly. And like I, in my first ever foray into ad- ads, I did actually sell them direct. Like this was like way back early days of the app store because like ad networks didn't exist. And like I would sell ads to, typically it was to other app developers um, at very small, for very small amounts of money. But it's like that was the best you could do back then. But now, yeah, like you would just you install um, iAd for the next couple of months or, you know, AdMob from Google or any of the million things like see our previous episode about ads where there's like so many networks and all kinds of things. Um, And you just kind of put it in and like in theory, like and then money will start flowing. And like, that's great. It's like in some ways, this is an area, though, like speaking of the last version of like business model that I, I that probably doesn't really fit from what i do but is interesting nevertheless is i am kind of envious of uh venture funded companies in this regard because they don't have a business model like they don't need well they have a different business model their business model is get really huge and worry about it later even though that usually means probably get bought before we have to worry about it exactly which is a business model just different from what we do yeah. And like, I look at that and I'm like, in some ways, that's actually kind of cool. Like to be able to just say like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on making something cool and getting as many people as I can to use it. And I don't need to worry about the financial part of that. Um, and in some ways, like that's kind of interesting. Like I've, I've, I definitely had the thought for some, something like this of saying like, you know what, what if I just went took like took that tack and like hope, you know, it's like 
MyFitnessPal got bought by Under Armour. Runkeeper got bought by Asics. Like at some point, is could, could you know if I was able to make some make a uh, like a a wildly successful health and fitness app that could it be picked up by some other company for you know and it's probably in some ways more money than I could ever make from you know running AdMob ads um, in an application. Like that sounds kind of interesting. It's just like the risk dynamic on that just like goes through the roof where it's like, or, or I could end up with having made this cool thing that ends up making me no money ever. And that's kind of terrifying as well. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, what do you think you're going to do? Have you, have you come to any conclusions or are you still going to think about it? I'm still going to think about it. I, I, <laughs> I'm probably going to do ad, like my, I think my default is going to be ads. Like I don't think paid works. I don't think unlocking features really works. Like I don't like the thought of. Right. And to clarify really works for this app on both of those. For this app. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. Like, the whole point of this discussion is like yes. whether it works in this particular case. And like the reason we're going through it step by step is that every app is different. This is why this may or may not make sense for this app. Um, ads are like the easy thing i don't feel great about them but i think they are sort of like the obvious and straightforward choice i'll almost certainly have an option to uh, remove the ads um just in terms of that's often just it makes me feel better maybe it's like it's just like cleansing my conscience a little bit about not having ads to say like it's a you know like if you don't like them that's fine then it's just a paid app and you can give me money and we'll they'll go away um and if i'm feeling particularly daring or a little bit reckless and wild then maybe i'd just make it free um, but being a one-person shop who pays my mortgage with the in- revenue from my apps, not having any revenue does not seem particularly wise. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks a lot to our sponsor, Hover, and we will talk to everybody next week. Bye.